Hi, I'm Stephanie O'Sullivan and this is the Informed Creative Podcast. So I just wanted to start by saying thank you for all your really encouraging and supportive messages in response to the first podcast episode I published um, a fortnight ago. I also received messages from women who identified with everything Amanda spoke about and it really spoke to them and helped them, which is absolutely wonderful. Uh, Also, I just want to say um, a big apology for how I sound. I am smothered with a cold and so I will hold back talking too much in this intro to today's podcast, which is very different. If you listen to my first one, you'll have heard me mention that I would be speaking with individuals taking on interesting renovations or bills these will be short mini episodes every few weeks so today i'm in conversation with eileen o'carl about her very impressive renovation of a building which is steeped in incredible history eileen admits that her background in asset management does not excite her greatly which is a huge part of why she puts so much of herself and her creative flair into this renovation of a 250 year old house Eileen has really impressed me with this renovation, not just because of the hard work and dedication and her understanding of being sympathetic to an historical house, but also because she really cares about giving something back to the community with this building. This renovation is still ongoing, but parts of it are in use, which we are going to delve into now. This is a short, to the point, mini pod chat about a subject close to my heart, Who doesn't love a great interior and architectural project that you can really sink your teeth into? So enjoy. Hi, Eileen. Hi there. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me. I'm fascinated to hear about you, your background and Fermont House. Am I pronouncing that right, Fermont? It is Fermont, yeah. Yeah, and your name, Eileen. I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, it's just spelled differently, isn't it? Oh, my dad was a Gwelgor, and so all our names are written weirdly. I'm not even sure it's the right Irish way, but <laughs> it's written weirdly anyway. No, it's fantastic. You're an O'Carroll, like myself. Are you? Yes. My maiden name is O'Carroll. Yeah, would you believe? So we're so Irish, aren't we? So tell me a little bit about you, if you don't mind, Eileen. Sure. So I'm born in Dublin raised in Dublin by an English mum and an Irish dad and although my mum won't like to be called English because she happened to be born there but she was reared in in, uh, Ireland so yeah and then I basically after college where I did like a e-commerce degree in German I moved to Germany for a few years then to Australia then to London and then around um, five years ago, having met my South African husband and had two one and a half year olds, decided uh, that we probably didn't really want to rear them in London and wanted to come home. And, um, so we moved home around around five and a half years ago and uh, moved into into Dublin where mom was. And then um, we'd been looking for an old property for around two years in Ireland. Right. And so whenever we'd come back to see my mom, we'd, uh, you know, go and see an old house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when we were back living in Ireland for a year, we found Vermont. Beautiful. So I suppose that's the journey we took. Um, and I suppose, so my background is I was, I've been doing a consultant sort of in asset management, quite, yeah, but quite, um, quite corporate, quite, yes. you know, 
something very exciting about it, just you know, Brexit stuff now, you know what I mean? And uh, and I suppose uh, I love houses, absolutely love houses. I've always loved houses. I sort of almost feel if I put my hand on a wall, I can feel the history and the generations of people who've lived in that house. Love that. So, and that's, I suppose, why we ended up buying Vermont. Yeah. And was the intention to find something for yourselves to live in? Not necessarily. I mean, certainly a lot of the houses we saw were all quite large. The idea, I suppose, mm. was that I would leave consulting to run yeah. something else, you know, something more creative, something more people focused. Because what I do wow. on a day to day basis isn't, I don't know, it isn't, it isn't creative, it isn't, you know. But I think, I think I've always loved archaeology and history. Right. So it all ties in. And then when it's in the form of a building, it's just so much more tangible. Absolutely. Um, How did you find it? Did you say, did you look online, was it? And you travel around Ireland or? Yeah, that's pretty okay. much it. So we were looking at uh, mostly auction sites yeah. because, you know, we obviously had a relatively limited budget and um, um, we just did that for almost two years. We, we probably wouldn't have seen that many properties. We probably might've seen eight while we were in mm. London. And um, then when we were in Dublin, that, to be honest, some of our parameters, like we wanted this to be commutable to Dublin, not too far away. And there is limited properties Absolutely. within our, that, yeah. you know, we're sort of fixer uppers as well. Because we mm. knew we could afford something that was completely yeah. done. And it probably wouldn't have been very us to, yeah. <laughs> to pick something that was completely done and easy. God forbid why we choose something easy. Can you just give us a little bit of um, insight into the history of this amazing house? Sure. So... Vermont House currently looks like one smallish Victorian manor house. That's what mm -hmm. it looks like. Um, and that's what we thought it was. And then unfortunately we had dry rot, which again is an entirely mm. new podcast as yeah. well. Um, but when we got the dry rot and you have to rip off all the plaster work, you have to pull out all the wood, we found it's actually two houses. It's a 250 year old Georgian house, which mm -hmm. is around 250, 300 years ago. And then in 1878, a major Hugh Henry bought the Georgian house and he added a big Victorian extension. So when you walk into Fermont House, you're walking into the Georgian house. But on the left hand side is the Victorian extension and the ceiling height rises by one and a half meters on the left. And when we originally bought it, we, we couldn't understand the house. Ceiling heights were weird. Upstairs, there were staircases yeah. in the middle of nowhere and we couldn't explain yeah. them. And then when we had the dry rot and realized it's actually two houses and they're trying to join different rooms with different ceiling heights. Ceiling heights, yeah. Hence why there was staircases to, you know, compensate for the fact that the ceiling heights on the ground were so much higher. And so um, that was 1878 and it was a private residence until around 1915. And then um, after that, it was a World War I military hospital for a year. Um, it was a safe house for De Valera during the Troubles. It was also a TV sanatorium. So it Whoa. started out being a TV sanatorium at the height of the, the TV when there was no cure. And then it closed down when there was a cure and everybody could be saved. But um, a lot of people would have actually passed away in the house. And then um, during the Cold War in the 60s, it was bought by the Department of Defense and turned into a bunker for um, senior members of cabinet in the event of nuclear war. So it was a nuclear tracking center, tracking clouds from Russia and America. Down in the cellar is um, one of those old telephone exchanges yes. where you, you know, you plugged yes. in and plugged out. And yes. it says like the doll, the Department of Defense, 
honest. That's just so exciting to come across something like that. Yeah, it's mental. The house, the history of the house is for such a sort of small, Small, unnoticed house. It's just so unassuming and it's just fascinating. I love, love, love that kind of, it's got such soul to it. It's seen so much. It's seen so much, yeah. In such a short period of time. When you stepped into that, did you feel that? Did you feel that that depth of history in it? When we bought it, the Mm -hmm. Department of Defence had done a huge amount of damage and the way in the 60s, they bunkered up all the windows. So mm. most of the windows were blocked out. Mm. The, a lot of the floors were missing because they'd reinforced concrete in yeah. the floor. The tiles had been ripped up. Um, and the house felt just incredibly unloved. To me, it just felt like it really, it wanted people inside it. Didn't necessarily want to be a private home. It, it felt like okay. it should just be teeming with people all the time. Oh. And also you've been working on turning it into a wedding venue? So basically we, ha- we ran the cafe from July mm-hmm. to December. And in December, we closed it down for the sort of Christmas period. And at the point we just had to, I was running it and hadn't found someone to take over the running of it. Oh. Um, and so we had to make a decision whether I would continue running it or whether I went mm-hmm. back, did some of my usual job in order to continue the restoration of the because we've only restored the ground floor and the very top floor to the first floor. And um, we just said the, the reason we started this whole thing was to finish the house. And so that people could have access to the whole house. And yeah. so we took the decision to, at that point, for me to go back to work so we can just, I can earn money and then I can just throw it into the black pit that is Vermont. Oh, I love that you love it that much, you know, but I bet when you see the people using it and how much they love it that you'll be so proud of what you've done and I'm sure you are so far um in terms of the wedding venue because to be honest if I was getting married again it'd be literally exactly my cup of tea how many how many kind of people are you hoping for it to cater for yeah, at the moment we'd only deal, so we're only, we're starting to focus on weddings now. The max it could hold is around 100. That's amazing. Yeah, two, two of the Victorian rooms uh, open up onto one another. Sort of banquet style tables, you can fit 100. And in sort of round tables, it would be more 70 people. So I think in the, in the short term anyway, we'll just sort of stick to those smaller mm. numbers and have mm. it as a small sort of intimate venue. And then maybe in years to come, we might you know, have a marquee outside or... Yeah, because you've got a lot of grounds and everything. Apart from hosting weddings, are you opening it as hopefully event space where people can come to you with needs for events? Absolutely. So yeah. I originally saw this as a place where we'd have small music festivals, we'd have craft mm-hmm. fairs, we'd have community based, especially bringing smaller players all together. Because yeah. like, we're a smaller player and we're forcing other smaller players. Um, so that was the idea. I just, I can just see we had before we opened the house as a cafe, mm-hmm. um, we had a farmer's market in the ground. Mm-hmm. And around a 1000 people turned up yeah. all in the gardens. And it just Oh, just you know it just felt like what the house needed it needed to be teeming mm. with people all just having fun in the grounds and you know that hadn't happened in something like 50 years I think yeah that's fantastic not. um did I see you did some sort of a Halloween night like a ghost tour, ghost tour. <laughs> how did that go well so when the cafe was open <laughs> um a guy called um Warren yeah. he turned up with a friend of his called David Kelly, who's a local actually, he's from Kildare And they talked about the house and David had been, they felt 
that there was a presence in the house. Now, Warren is, um, he runs the Northern Ireland Paranormal Association. No. I, yeah, and, and I was uh, intrigued by this whole thing. Um, the, you know, the, they came back then on a day when um, we, we weren't open and mm. he took me around the house and I said, do you mind if I walk with you? So that I, I'd never Oh, I would this. too. And I'm a sort of like, yeah. And like, I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, but I'd never say that there were none. It's just, I haven't personally experienced yeah. it. And so um, I walked with him and he felt presence mm. and spirits in the house, which slightly freaked me out because of course, yeah. I'm there and David's there really late at night <laughs> restoring things. Oh, I would be like a nervous wreck yeah. if it was me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did live in an old Georgian house years and years ago that my dad um he bought it in the it's called Sunville House it's an old Georgian house and there was definite presence there really definite. oh 100% did you mm. feel something felt it felt it I was very young when I lived there and even at that young age I could I, I could definitely tell there was something in the house and my dad was very slow to admit it but then he did admit it in the end love that you want to give something back to the community and I really really want to see how it develops I'll be watching very closely um but is there anything you learned about yourself from no. taking this on is this the, is this the first kind of you know side project that you've done well so the first thing we did was mm. so when we bought Fermont um we renovated the stables into our own house mm. before we started on the right. big um the yeah. only bonus was the stables had roof like the, mm. the house itself part of the roof was missing mm. um so the stables had a had a decent roof and so I felt a bit better about the stable. And so that was the first renovation we did. And um, David and I sort of project managed that along with a carpenter friend. Yeah. Um, and that, so we, we'd done that first and then we moved into that building. Um, and that was, you know, we probably did that around five years ago quite quickly. Um, after doing that, we started chipping away at the house. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, the thing is with us, although it looks like a big house and it looks like from the outside, it might look like we've got money. We don't have any money <laughs> and there's a big hole in the middle of the house and you just literally throw any money. <laughs> have you have you seen the movie The Money Pit? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it just, it's that, yeah? <laughs> it is completely that. And so, but I mean, it's good in one way in that we don't, we have to do a lot of stuff ourselves. So um like david would have done a lot of the demolition both on the big house and on our mm. house and we would have done you know a lot of the the painting and laying floors mm. and you know anything that we could mm. there or do ourselves and that actually for me is very um satisfying oh very yeah 100 yeah. percent agree yeah and probably far more than a satisfaction i'd get of doing my job mm. or you know whatever it is in the sort of you know academic world or anything it's doing something physical and seeing a physical result in front of you I think is immensely satisfying oh, yeah I mean that's what design is and that's why I love what I do because it and especially when it it's around people when it revolves around people and you see the reactions yeah. and you yeah, and it's just so positive and lovely and it just naturally works and it just feels good it's very very rewarding so, I mean, would you have any advice for anyone taking on something like this? Because I feel like 
there's probably plenty of these opportunities, especially around Ireland. And yeah. people are so scared to take it on. And I don't think some of the programs on TV help. I think the first thing that everyone said to us when they found out we bought it is they said either that we must be millionaires, we must be mad. mad. Yeah. yeah. And I think absolutely you have to be a bit mad to buy anything yeah. old yeah. and especially anything of, of a size that we bought. And, um, but I think that's not a bad thing. I don't think we went in really naively. I think we knew it was going to be a lot of work and mm. we're both, you know, pretty hard workers, you know, and it's really important to, to not listen to what anybody else says and to understand what it is you want out of it, to set what your budget is mm. and then just to be realistic. So mm. people like the, the amount of work we did ourselves, it really saved us a huge amount of money. And it does mean that it takes a lot of your time, but you can carve that out. You can. And there's also ways of creating things out of, for example, one of my favorite mediums is MDF. I can't afford really good wood for like the shutters in Vermont House. People came to us and said, oh, are they the original ones? Are they, the, you know, have they been there for yeah. a couple of years? And they were made from MDF. So, which were painted and... So there are, there are tons of things you can do to make things look like the real they, deal. Yeah, the real deal without having to uh, spend an absolute fortune. So I think, I think that's my biggest advice. Just don't listen to the naysayers. If you think you can do it, you can. You don't need a huge budget. You just do need a lot of time and a lot of creativity um, and a lot of determination. And then absolutely anybody can take an old house or any house and and renovate them well i think that is a brilliant way to end the podcast and brilliant advice um and i hope anybody listening um is inspired by it because i certainly am and i think what you've done is absolutely amazing so thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about it not at all thank you very much for having me stephanie thank you so much eileen thank you bye